golden, golden. I'll follow only golden, 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 golden things. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Golden Collective podcast. And welcome to the new year. Hope you're enjoying a fresh new song and look for the podcast as well, which I thought was pretty fun to kick us off uh, for the first episode of the year, which is very exciting. Hope you all had a wonderful holidays and Christmas and New Year's and whatever you've been up to over the past month or so. We had a great little break. Um, We had lovely time away. We did Christmas Day and then got COVID between Christmas and New Year's. I mean, that week is kind of a dead week anyways. It was was a relatively convenient time to get it considering, but we're well, we're all okay. Uh, We did New Year's in isolation, (laughs) but then we still got to go camping and have a mini holiday before heading back to work. So we still made the most of it and we're, we're doing well. Um, as this episode comes out, I will be 25 weeks pregnant, which is very exciting and I'm loving it and yeah, feeling really good. So that's been fun along the way and I'll be podcasting hopefully until this baby comes in May. So we've still got a couple of episodes up our sleeves uh, to bring you some amazing conversations over the next few months. But to kick us off today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to my special guest, Sadara. And Sadara does a wonderful job in introducing herself and telling us a little bit more about her and her life. So I don't want to say much more other than get ready for an incredible, impacting conversation that will set you up for such a win into this new year. So here is my conversation with Sadara. Well, hey, Sid, welcome to the Golden Collective podcast. It is so great to have you with us today. Why don't you kick us off and introduce yourself to the listeners? Hey, Em, thank you so much for having me on. Such a privilege and absolutely. So like you mentioned, my name is Sadara and uh, I live in the beautiful western coast of Australia, so in sunny Perth land. And um, what else can I tell you about myself? I work for Compassion Australia And I'm originally from Sri Lanka um, and my family still live in Sri Lanka. So um, yeah, I'm Sri Lankan by heritage and uh, I'm married to a wonderful man by the name of Dev, who's a dentist and we live here in Perth. Um, And I will also say that my favorite things to do are to eat and travel and preferably do those things together. (laughs) (laughs) So a little fun fact. (laughs) I I gathered that from your Instagram. I'm like, this girl, she knows her stuff. She knows where to eat, where to go. (laughs) Listen, if anyone's in Perth or if you ever visit Perth and you want to know where to eat, just just find me on Instagram, contact me, and I will give you your heart's desires with a list of restaurants. Yes. (laughs) 
That's awesome. And tell us a little bit more about your upbringing. What was life like for you when you were younger? What was your family like? And did you grow up in a Christian home? So interestingly, I didn't grow well. I kind of grew up in a Christian home. So um, in Sri Lanka, um, the prevailing religion is Buddhism. Um, but I actually went to a Catholic school. So I grew up Catholic. My mom was Catholic and my dad is Buddhist. And so I actually went to a convent school. Um, I was kind of did the whole baptism thing in church and did my first um, Holy Communion and all of that. Um, and life in Sri Lanka was awesome. Um, it was kind of like this um, alternate reality because when I grew up, we were also in the middle of a civil war. Um, we lived in the capital, which is Colombo. Um, so we probably didn't see a lot of kind of the fighting, which took place more in the north. Um, but we did have kind of, you know, and I say this uh, kind of casually just because it was part and parcel of how we grew up. But we did have, you know, some bombs that used to go off in the middle of the in the capital and so it was all a little bit of a of a strange reality, but looking back, I think we had a had a great childhood. Um, we got to travel a lot, which was lovely, and um, yeah, traveled to different parts of the world, which was awesome. So yeah, I think like we had a great childhood. But now looking back, I also know that there were some pretty significant things that were going on during that time. So yes. yeah, but it was awesome. Oh my goodness! Wow. And so tell me then, what was your journey to? knowing Jesus, how did that relationship come about given the dynamics of your household? Where did your personal relationship with him start? Yeah, well, it actually started when I moved to England. So at the end of my school life, I moved to England and Nottingham, England. So if anyone's familiar with Notting, um, with Robin Hood, you'll know, <laughs> you'll know Nottingham. So it was one of the same. Uh, Nottingham in England, I went to study there. I went to university there. And it was really there that um, I understood that my faith was more than just a religion. It was more about a relationship. Mm. And I think that was a pretty significant shift for me. Um, I started going to a Christian church. Um, there was a friend of mine um, who was a Christian and uh, she invited me to go to um, a Christian church. And I'd never been to a Christian church before. Um, and the minute I walked in, I think I was really stunned and really floored um, by how passionate people were about their faith. And um I think I really started understanding that I knew a lot about God, but I didn't really know God. And that was really the shift yes. for me. Um, and that was a journey to discovering who God was and that I could actually have a personal relationship with God and that um, I yeah. understood for the first time that God was a God of love, whereas I think I'd grown up fearing God and fearing things like punishment mm. and retribution Whereas now I understood God on the basis of love and I understood him, understood Jesus on the basis of the cross and, and how much he loved me in order to go for the cross for me. And that just completely transformed my whole life, really. Um, and so it was pretty significant, that journey to Jesus. Um, and it's probably the most, it, not probably, is the most fundamental change and the fun, most transformational understanding and the transformational reality that has shaped who I am and how I've lived my life ever since. Yes. Oh, wow, that's so cool. And did your relationship with God just grow and develop over time from there? Were you on fire from that moment or did you have any setbacks? How did you navigate that time in your life? To be honest, I think I once I understood that reality of Jesus, um, I was hooked. I was like, okay, oh, so this, good. Is, this is now me. <laughs> um, what does this look like for my life? And probably 
most significant thing mm. that happened as a result of that is um, I went to university to study psychology and then um, I did a master's in occupational psychology. And so the plan was ah. that I was going to move to London. I was going to get a job as a management consultant. Um, actually, I had some interviews lined up with Rolls Royce, which was probably, and that was in Derby. That was like oh. my dream. I was like, this is awesome. This would be such well. a great <laughs> career progression. Like, And um, I had some graduate interviews lined up and um, I got accepted to kind of, taking those interviews further. And then um, I remember sitting in a lecture one day and I just realized that that was not what I was meant to do with my life. And that was pretty significant mm. for me because I was like, okay, well, if it's not this, God, then what does this actually look like for my life? And um, yeah, yes. um, it, was a, it was a bit of a, a longer journey um, than the nutshell that I'm about to give it to you in. But <laughs> uh, I just realized uh, I actually ended up doing an internship at the church that I was going to. And let me tell you, growing up in Sri Lanka, it's very rare that you have a dream of working in the church. That was not really a thing, especially right. back in the day. Um, and not mm. after you'd done four years of university. <laughs> um, you know, you don't really go, oh, yeah, this is what I would like to do with my life. Um, but <laughs> once I did that internship, it was just like all of the pieces fell into place. And I just realized that I was like, wow, mm this is what makes me come alive and this is what I was put on this planet to do. And I was just so passionate about the local church and I knew what an impact it had had on my life. And I think whatever it looks like to build the kingdom where we are, that's really what I'm passionate about. Mm. So, yeah, and then I was on fire for God and, and that kind of turned into this is what life looks like for me. Um, and it kind of continued after that. Amazing. And what about meeting your husband? Where does that fit into the timeline of things? Tell us your story there. Oh, that's a juicy topic. Um, again, I'm going to try and <laughs> condense it because that's a, a very long story. But um, I actually met Dev when I was 29, uh, 28, I think. That was later on in my 20s. And um, I was single and I was working in Nottingham. I was working for the church, like really really happy with my life. I knew what, you know, what I was doing there and so happy and so passionate about what we were doing there with the church. And then I, um, my best friend was getting married in Sri Lanka and uh, she'd been dating uh, this guy and I knew him because she'd been dating him for probably about eight years up until that point. Um, and so I'd known, I'd known him since I, gosh, like the ages and ages and ages. And um, so I went down to Sri Lanka because um, that's where the wedding was taking place. and. Then I met Dev, who coincidentally happens to be the brother of my friend's now husband. Oh, here we go. And <laughs> we were paired in the bridal party together. So it was, well, I well, well. know. So if you can think of a really bad <laughs> rom-com, so this is the story yes. of a really bad <laughs> rom-com, which annoys me to this day, but I am very glad for it as well because I loved him and um, yes. it was amazing so we met at my best friend's wedding because um yeah she married his brother and we met at the wedding and it was it was yeah <laughs> we met there and then the journey to how we got married is a is a probably a story for another day but it was <laughs> um was amazing and um, I ended up moving here to Perth once we got married so that's how I ended up here Wow. Was that a decision that you guys 
made together or felt a calling to? What was the scenario around moving to Perth? Well, that's an interesting one, actually, because Dev was originally going to move to Nottingham and uh, that was always the plan. Ah. And then um, there were some property things here that he needed to tie up and it wasn't like at the time the property markets weren't really looking very good and so we were wondering what to do. And um, mm. and then he was visiting me one time and we were having dinner with um, my senior pastor at the time. They were kind of like pretty much kind of like my adopted parents there. Um, <laughs> and he just looked at us over dinner and he said, said, have you considered that it might be right for you to move to Perth? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> Move to Perth? No, we hadn't yeah. even considered it. Um, but the minute he said it, something in my spirit, I just knew that that was the right thing. Um, and so, wow. yeah, it was just one of those decisions that it, it was a split. It was a split second decision that we knew was right. Um, and so I ended up moving mm. here and it was only meant to be for a year. Um I was going back to Nottingham. <laughs> we were both going back to Nottingham after a year and um, it's been five years and here we still are. So it was definitely <laughs> the right move. Um, and he said, you know, when I said that, I knew that it wouldn't be for a year. I knew that it was right for you to go, but I think God was being very kind to you because <laughs> he knew that if it was oh. going to be for an indetermined, undetermined number of years, you probably wouldn't go. So, <laughs> so I feel yes. like... <laughs> <laughs> just needed to get you there to know that you're in the right place very yeah, smart very smart <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well you are my first guest to interview for 2022 wow if you're privileged and I'm oh well I'm very excited to hear more about your story and the theme of the Golden Collective podcast is talking about stories in our life where we have had to overcome significant trials that have really tested our faith and then we explore what is the gold that was produced in that and what we learned from that season and what we can maybe share with other people from what we learned. So my question to you is tell me about a time in your life where you had to face a significant trial that perhaps tested your relationship with God or your trust in him and uh, what circumstances were you under where you felt that pressure, that fire come into your life under what you were facing? Yeah. Um, you know, funnily enough, thinking about the last two years, I think there would be multiple instances where I think, oh, actually, <laughs> that was quite a testing time or that was quite a testing time. True. So I think you know, it would be fair to say that many of us have dealt with probably testing times over the last few years, considering um, what's happened in the world. Um, mm. For me personally, we lost someone really close to me in England last year. That was really tough. Wow. Um, yeah, we were just, it was a shock. It was something sudden. We were believing for healing. There was a whole load of things associated with that. There was, um, yeah, just in, even in terms of work and the struggle with the pandemic and what that has actually meant, um, mm. being away from family. Um, a lot of those things have probably come into play. So there's a lot that we could talk about. But one thing that I, I felt um, to talk about was um, a period in, in my life, which was probably now nine or 10 years ago. So we're talking about a really long time ago, it seems. But um, I felt to speak about that specifically because I think what I learned through that time and the goal that God kind of brought to the surface during that time has really undergirded my life for the last 10 years. So it's gold that was mm. refined, but it's also stood the test of time. And so Great. that's thought I thought I might start there if that's okay. 
let's go for it. Awesome. <laughs> so um, we've kind of covered the fact that I was, you know, working in ministry um, in Nottingham and I was so absolutely convinced and, and so passionate about what we were doing there. We were seeing um, people come to faith and people come to know Jesus. And it was incredible. We were in such an incredible time there and I was loving it. I was on fire for Jesus, really felt called to Nottingham, called to the church, um, called to be a part of building God's kingdom there and walking alongside people. And so I was so passionate about everything that was going on. And um, because I was um, a Sri Lankan citizen, I obviously needed a work visa to be there. And just mm. through a few, um, yeah, a few things, which again would be a long story in itself. But um, <laughs> I ended up in a in a space where um, there was a little problem with my visa, and we were just so believing that you know because we felt so passionate and so convicted that I was meant to be there and that there was, um, yeah, God was doing something there that I was meant to be a part of. We just really believed that the situation would turn around and this visa would be approved and it would all be okay. Mm. But actually it worked out the opposite way. And this visa ended up being, oh. I know this visa ended up being denied and we were all like, what is happening? And throughout this appeal process, it just meant that I couldn't work. So it took probably six to eight months, I think, um, for this visa appeals process to work out and until they actually came to a decision. And it put me in this um, space of limbo almost because you can't work at the time. And I couldn't even volunteer at the church because it could seem it could be seen to be like I was working and that would be against the law. Mm. Um, and so I had this time where I could absolutely do nothing. And for the first time wow. <laughs> in my whole life, I was in a place, certainly since I'd become a Christian, um, I was in a mm. place where I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't contributing in any way. I wasn't sowing in any way. And I realized mm. that actually that really undid me. It really unraveled me. And I'd right. read this book by um, a guy called Van Shaw. And I remember this line, he said, you know, if you take away someone's role and their title and their position, you actually get left with who they are as a person. And I uncomfortably mm. realized in that moment that outside of what I did, I really didn't know who I was. And across all of these years of being on fire for God and being passionate about what I did and feeling so called to what I did, my identity and my self-worth and who I was was really wrapped up in what I did. And there was no separation between mm. identity and activity. And so right. God just took me on this incredible journey over this six to eight months where I understood that I was all this serving that I was doing. And, and listen, I, when I go hard, I go hard. So I was like <laughs> at church every day of the week. I was doing whatever I could and I was loving it. But I also realized that all this serving was also serving something inside of me rather than it was serving mm. somebody else. Because I realized yeah. that, you know, I, I, I was loving what I was doing and I was passionate about serving other people. But because I was insecure about who I was and I didn't have an identity or a grounding of who I was in God, that it was feeding things inside of me. Like it was validating me. It was validating my identity. It was giving me a sense of self-worth and a sense of, sense of self-security. Mm. 
which actually was misplaced because it was outside of my identity with God. And all of these things only started coming to the surface when the activity stopped and I was left to grapple with what my identity was. And I realized that I was so consumed with trying to be important and trying to be significant that I didn't understand Mm. that I was first valuable because being important has to do with, is to do with doing, whereas being valuable is a realization of being. And I understood for the first time that I didn't understand that I was valuable. I didn't have a revelation that Jesus had gone to the cross for me. And regardless of whether I did something or nothing for the rest of my life, I was valuable, Mm. inherently valuable, just as I was because God had created me and Jesus had paid the price to redeem me just as I was before I did anything. And so Mm. I, I just embarked on this journey of understanding that actually who I was and who I am is far more important than anything that I will ever do. And actually what I do comes as a result. It's an overflow of who I am. And so I think Mm. as a result of that, even um, through my time with God in that time, it is a revelation because it's something that has then stood the test of time over all these years where I tend to things like my character and who I am just so that it can sustain and support what I do. Um, And, you know, Mm. I think uh, in this day and age where we run at such a hard pace and the world moves very quickly and, you know, now we're talking about things like self-care and rest and these are so important, but I think it's also paying attention to our identity. You know, it can be so Mm. easy to get wrapped up in what we do, but then pay less attention to who we are. And so even thinking about 2022, I think now more about who I want to become over what I want to do. Now, there will be things that I do out of who I want to become, but that's an overflow Mm. of identity rather than a making of identity. And so, yeah, and even in the self-care space, you know, it's wonderful to have a face mask and put on Netflix at some point in the night. (laughs) I think that's great. I love that all about it. But actually, self-care is also about having a healthy soul. And having a healthy Mm. soul has to do with who I believe I am in God and allowing that revelation to seep deep into the deep parts of me so that it undergirds who I am. Um, Yeah, so that's Mm. kind of a little bit about what came out of that time um, and my relationship with God at the time. And it's really held fast to who I am and how I operate all these years later as well. Yes. Wow, I think that is relevant to so many people right now with the amount of redundancies people have had, the uncertainty of work over COVID over the last couple of years and people's identities feeling like they are shaken because they've lost work and lost positions and things that have always been stable for them suddenly became unstable and not meeting physically at church perhaps you had a significant serving Mm. role and you're forced to do church at home alone online and you're thinking how do I function (laughs) in this space I think what you said was just oh pure gold so I'd love to find out a little bit more practically what did that journey of realization and discipleship look like for you that you could share with other people to know okay these are the questions that I asked God or these are the scriptures that he gave me what did that journey look like for you yeah absolutely I think one of the one of the greatest um uh, journeys of that time 
was just really intentionally spending time with God. Because what I find, I mean, and this is true of any of us, isn't it? So the more we immerse ourselves in something, the more like that thing we become. And I think it's the same with our relationship with God. The more time we spend with God, the more time we have in his presence, the more like him we become. And actually, that was the root of me discovering who I am in God. So if if the goal Mm. is to become more and more like Jesus, well, I need to immerse myself more and more in Jesus so that it's almost like Mm. this process where the more time I spend with him, I want to be more like him. And so what do I do? I don't try harder. I don't, it's not a do better, be better. It's a just go Mm. deeper. And so that's kind of where I started. And that was one of the things that I still do to this day is, you know, I can try so much of my own activity or, you know, in my own strength, but actually I can't ever get to where I want to get to. There's something of (laughs) the transformational power of the presence of God that works something deep inside of me. And it's a revelation that he gives when I come into his presence. And um, so that's something Mm. I think that was really foundational and really formational during that time. Um, One of the other things I think was um, in John 13, we find um, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And there's, I think it's in John 13, I think it's probably verse three. And it says that as Jesus was washing the disciples' feet or before he was doing that, it says that Jesus knew who he was and he he understood where he was and he understood where he was going. Like he understood who he was in God and he understood where he was going. And that's to me mm. speaks about identity. So it doesn't matter what you do and it doesn't matter what you don't do. There's an understanding of identity that lends itself to serving. It lends itself to activity, but there is this foundational part of identity that comes first and so I think when I read that back in that back in that time I just had this Mm. desire to be like okay God who have you made me to be who am I and as I kind of spent time with God and and kind of tried to understand a little bit more about what he was unpacking to me this idea of sonship and the fact that I was first a child of God became foundational and then I uh, I yes. read up as much as I could about what does this look like for me? Um, what does being mm. a son of God, what does being a daughter of God, what does being a child of God really look like? Um, and one of the things I did was also kind of immerse myself in in the cross and understanding what that actually meant for my life. The fact that Jesus, and I know that, you know, as Christians, we know this, this stuff is basic, it's foundational. And maybe someone's like, Sadara, tell me something I don't know. <laughs> But I think the fundamental thing is that it's not that we don't know these things. It's the fact that Mm -hmm. we kind of sometimes skip over the reality of what they mean and how they apply to our lives. And so the answer Mm -hmm. isn't more knowledge. It's actually more revelation is what does this knowledge that I have about the cross, how does this reveal to me, Jesus, how this actually applies to my life? And that understanding of value and, and who I am and what I'm already worth regardless of what I do and don't do, those were some of the things that I I focused on during that time. And in that time, I feel like God really revealed to me that before I was anything, before I was uh, a preacher, before I was a speaker, before I was a whatever I was, I was a child. And because I'm a child, Mm. I'm loved and inherently just because he created me. And I think that was probably the most beautiful revelation of all. And that makes me valuable. Um, and that makes me worthy and that makes me it, it 
it fosters your self-worth and your outlook about yourself in a way that I don't believe anything else can. And so I think those mm. were probably the things that I focused on, but they truly came out of a relationship with God, spending time in his presence and just allowing him space and time to speak to me, which is probably one of the things that I find hardest to do these days, just because there's so much going on all the time, yeah. just carving out that time. And, you know, I so believe the Bible says that, you know, if we seek God, we will find him if we seek him with all of our heart. And I so believe that when mm. we draw near to God, the promise is that he will draw near to us. And I think God wants to encounter us more than we could ever want to encounter him. He wants to speak to us. He wants to reveal things to us. He wants to transform our hearts. He wants to speak to the deep parts of us. He wants to restore things that are broken in us. He wants to redeem things that have maybe got out of line. And I so think that God is faithful when we come to him and we ask him and he sees the desires of our heart and when they're in line mm. with his desires for us which is really to make us more and more like Jesus of course he's going to speak to us of course he's going to pour out his revelation into us of course he's going to give us a hope in a future and and just an undergirding of who we are in him of course he's going to do that for us so yeah I think I hope all of that was helpful but I think my top tip would be to spend time with God is to find out, ask him to speak to you about who you are. And I 100% believe that he will. Mm, oh, that's so good. I'm kind of going to ask you the question in reverse. And that is, what do you think are modern day red flags and indicators that we are functioning out of a place of doing and perhaps connecting ourselves too much to our position or our title or our or our role what are some indicators that we can do a bit of a self-assessment as we're all listening right now to find out are we actually operating out of a place of our secure identity and value and just simply who Christ has called us to be yeah great question I think one of the one of the key determinants of that is what does it look like for you when things stop so like you said, in like the last two years, there's been a lot of shifting. There's been a lot of role shifting. Um, what did, Pay attention to what that does for you inside of your heart, inside of your soul. I think a lot of the time we can kind of skip over things and we can roll over it from the next to the next. But actually, if we stop to take time to consider, to pause, to reflect, actually, how did that make me feel? What did it do to my mm. self-worth? Like to ask ourselves those questions, I think, and if you do it in the presence of God, it's, it's always great. Like I have a journal that really helps me. For some people, it might be going for a walk. It might be reflecting in nature, whatever that looks like for you. I mm. think to stop and ask yourself some really good questions, like how did I feel when that stopped? What is, my, what is really my motivation for, for doing this? Am I serving out of a place of something that's it, because it's giving me something, because it's serving me something? Or am I actually free enough to serve people? And it doesn't matter what my role looks like. It doesn't matter whether I have a title or not. Uh, I guess another good indicator is, would I do this if it, what, if it didn't have a role attached to it, if it didn't have a position attached to it, if you know mm. people didn't know about it, if this was done behind the scenes or if it was something that I wasn't paid for would I still be a part of this would I still be doing this because then there's no recognition and there's no validation mm. but there's still a motivation and that would probably mean that it's not giving you something that's self-serving but you you're passionate about it you believe you're called to it and it's something you're out working out of your identity rather than it working the mm. reverse so I guess those are good 
good indicators. I think um, maybe another indicator is um, the inability to rest. I think the, yes. do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's this propensity mm. to overwork because you almost feel like you need to prove something. And the question yeah. is, what are you proving and to whom? Is it to yourself? Mm. Is it to God? Is it to other people? So I think that's a good question to ask. Like, why can't I rest? Um, what does working or what does serving or what does being involved in this, what is it giving me? Um, and why can't I rest? Why can't I have a healthy balance in that? Um, I think one of the other things is asking the question of, okay, if this stopped today, um, would I be enough? Would I think that I'm mm. enough in myself, in who I am? Um, and, you know, while you're working, some of the things that, you know, the propensity, like I said, to overwork or um, just the just the need for it. Sometimes, you know, you have a need to do. You, ha- you can't sit still, whether that's in a service or whether that's wherever that is. This inability mm. to sit still and this inability to receive, I think, is another indicator. Mm. Sometimes we're so focused on we need to give, we need to contribute, we need to do. We can't actually sit and receive. And I think that's another indicator where you think, oh, actually, there's not something, there's, there's something just a little bit askew there. So what does that look like? Yes. So I think a couple of yes. those things will probably be um, a few things to watch out for. Oh, I'm sure they are great reflections. And if you're listening, I hope you're taking notes. Pull over if you're driving and take down <laughs> some notes. <laughs> so you've said that over the last few years, I mean, like we all have, we've had significant challenges and trials that we've been overcoming. And you mentioned a couple before. So how has that revelation that you have had about your identity and where your foundation is in Christ helped you in the new challenges that you have faced? What has been the goal that was produced that enabled you to have a real fight and real gusto when the challenges came again to say, no, this is who I am. This is who I'm called to be. Absolutely. It's, it's exactly that. It's, and I think it's the revisiting revelation is what I've kind of termed it Mm. in, in my own life. It's, So I think sometimes we have a revelation or God gives us something and we go through something and we learn something. But I find in my own life, sometimes I don't revisit it. I I leave it in the past. And actually, I think that's wasted gold because I think when when you have gold, the beautiful thing is that you hold it in your hands and and you can have something, you can have something as precious as gold. And if you put it in a cupboard and you leave it and you never use it, it just kind of <laughs> languishes there. And it doesn't actually mm. realize um, the purpose for which it was given to you in the first place. But I think taking out that gold, revisiting it has been such an incredible, um, I'm going to say it, it's been such a, it's been such a anchor for the last two years. I think understanding mm. my value in God, I think um, we went through a few transition transition phases as well and um just even with jobs and work and and all of those spaces I think I came back to that revisiting the goal that I I learned and I did this thing where I took my journal and I wrote out um just some of the things that I knew about what God had spoken to me about and who I was and I have this (laughs) I actually have this page in my journal and I've titled it who am I and I go out and I (laughs) I actually physically write them down um, because, oh, it's so good. Because it's what it's. I find that you know, in in those seasons of challenge or when things come my way, 
sometimes I'm so overcome by emotion or it's such a place of pain or grief that I just forget what I think. But if I know that it's written Mm. down somewhere, I can open it up and I know where to go. I know where to look. And so it's truth that I can read and it's truth that hits me then in the face. I don't have to go and think about it. I don't have to, you know, try and dig through it. I know that it's there. It's it's almost like a prepared place. And so it's something yes. that I can revisit really easily. And so that's something really practical that I do is mm. I write stuff down and I make sure that I know where it is and it's accessible yes. to me. And I leave it, you know, beside my bedside um, table and I'm like, okay, Whenever I know that I need to speak truth or I need to hear truth or I need to read it, Mm. read truth, I go to it and I open it up and I'm like, okay, this is who God says I am. This is what I know that he's spoken. These are the promises over my life. This is what I know Mm. that God has said about me. This is is where I get my self-worth from. This is where my identity is grounded. And so it's easy to, it's easy to kind of face the new challenges that come around because you know what? The old revelation, it's still good for today. It's still good for mm. the new challenges that come around. It's not that, it's, sometimes it's not that I need new revelation. I just need to revisit the revelation that I already have. I need to revisit yes. the goal that God has already given me. But if I forget about it and I leave it in the past and I don't bring it along mm. to the future and I don't make use of it, then it's almost wasted gold. So that's probably one of the things mm. that's really helped me in the last two years is to keep going back to who I am, what God has said, who I am in God, what does that look like for my life? And ultimately, it just all points to the fact that I am loved. And whatever way you cut it, it all boils down to this fact, I am loved incomprehensibly, unbelievably, eternally, and in just Mm -hmm. an incredibly unrelenting pursuit from God, this God who lavishes each one of us with this insurmountable love. And so Mm. once that kind of gets into you, you can face most things that come your way. It's not easy. You know, it's not a walk in the park, but undergirded by that reality and the truth, you can face tomorrow. You can face whatever comes because you know that Mm. you have that revelation from God. And it's it's nothing. It's something that no one can ever take from you, pandemic or no pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Creating a prepared place for those revelations to sit and that gold to be placed where it's accessible and it's not just hiding away. I really love that revelation that you have. Okay, final question. What would be your top tips for soul care? What are some easy practices that we can perhaps implement in our devotional life, in our relationship with God that go to that deeper level beyond self-care, beyond just making ourselves feel good for a moment? What does soul care look like for our listeners in in perhaps their practices? Yeah, great question. Um, I think my soul care this year is going to look different to what it looked like last year. Um, I started Mm. this year And um, every year, um, as we start the year, my husband and I, uh, Dev, we do this thing where we take um, uh, one of the weeks in January and we fast and we pray and we have a time where we kind of just put everything on the table before God. We're like, look, these are our finances, our jobs, where we live, all of it. And we're just like, okay, God, speak to us. Like, what do you want us to do? What does 2022 (laughs) look like? Um, Because we never want to roll each year to just roll on. So we're like, okay, we're going to carve out some time. Um, I'm going to take some space and just, yeah, see God hear what he has for us. Mm. And um, one of the things that I felt God say to me this year is like, 
think he just said, like, I want your time. And I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> Not that's time. a bit difficult. <laughs> you can have anything else, God. But time, that's a little bit difficult. Ooh. Um, and honestly, um, I think it's as simple as that. And I think he wants my time is that's because mm. when he has my time, when he has my attention, my undivided attention, where I'm not mm. listening to three things at once and watching something else and then also trying to listen to a podcast at the same time yes. or like <laughs> reading my Bible and doing something else. When he has my undivided mm. attention, I think that's where my soul is most replenished because I'm fully present in God. I'm fully present in him. And something transformational takes place in the presence of God when our soul is focused on him that I think you can't really find anywhere else. And I know I keep harping back to this, to this same idea about the presence of God and spending time with God and abiding in God. But I think that's been when I abide in God, when I have consistent time and space to spend with God, those are the times that my soul has been the healthiest. And mm. so if I think about my life and I think about, gosh, all of these things that I'm doing, I could put face masks on again, like I said, all about the face masks, all about the Netflix nights, like wonderful, great, all about reading books, um, all about that stuff. But if it's not primarily, um, if those things are a supplement, the primary practice of abiding in the presence of God is spending time with God and allowing him time and space to actually speak to us, seeking him. I think those things make your soul healthy. And um, even if it's a practice of um, one of the things that I love to do is, and this is something that my husband and I implemented last year, is we actually take a Sabbath every week. We pause and we take time to rest. We take time to delight. We take time right. to stop. Um, and that's been transformational for our souls that's actually one of been one of the most incredible things that we've done in all of our married time is to actually stop mm. and take a Sabbath. And, you know, it doesn't have to be intense. It doesn't have to be like this major thing. It just means that for 24 hours, we stop. We started by praying. We, we, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, we pray, we worship together. And then we're like, okay, God, we're just going to delight in you. We're going to spend time together. We're going to spend time with you. We're going to eat. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to go for a <laughs> picnic. And it's wonderful. But mm. I just didn't realize how much of an effect it was going to have on my soul. And that's been right. so important for my, my soul. And at the end of the year, I think my soul is in better shape for it than it ever was. And so if I was to pick two things, it would probably be those two things time and space with God, allowing mm. him to speak, allowing him to, to really give us revelation, seeking him for revelation, just allowing him to ask those tough questions or, you know, kind of go deeper um, rather than wider, like to yes. send those roots down deep. I think you need time and space in order to do that. You can't do it on the mm. fly. You can't do it on the run. Um, and so carving out that time and space and then what does rest look like in your life? What does taking a Sabbath look like in your life? What does creating margin look like? That's really important for a healthy soul. Mm. Oh, Sidara, that was, I think, the most perfect conversation to set us up for the new year. Oh. I'm sure that many people are able to reflect on what you were sharing with us today and put in some new practices for the year ahead. And I love that goal setting doesn't always have to be about 
achieving something or doing something, but this is actually about taking pause, taking rest, refueling ourselves, setting the foundation right. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you for this amazing conversation. And I'm sure that we have all taken away plenty of gold from what you shared today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure and a privilege to chat to you. Oh, what a way to start the year and such an excellent conversation to get us thinking about how we can be focused more on our identity in Christ, who we are, and just our being instead of our doing and getting caught up in tasks and achievement. I think that is a really timely word for the year and I hope that you all took something from that. I'm sure you did. Thank you again to Sidara for coming onto the podcast and sharing her story. That was excellent and I know that you would have all loved her as much as I do. We have got some more amazing guests coming up, so please make sure to follow us on Instagram, which is at goldencollective underscore, to find out what is happening and we will be hopefully releasing an episode every fortnight so you can find out what is coming up over there. As always, let's pray before we wrap things up. God, I thank you for the amazing word that Sadara shared with us today. And I pray that that would just resonate in our hearts as we set up our new habits and practices for the new year, Lord, that we wouldn't be focused on hitting goals and setting objectives for ourselves that are outside of simply being who you have called us to be. I pray that you would help us slow down pray that you would help us rest in our identity in you and that we'd be open for you to speak into that place. God, we surrender to you and we ask that you would bring restoration into that area of our lives. And God, I pray for anyone who resonated with that. Lord, that you would be their comfort, that you would be their peace, to help them be still and rest in who you have called them to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for being here and joining us on the Golden Collective podcast. And until next time, stay golden.